0: Trauma blocks love and connection. Love and connection heals trauma, okay? I think that's the whole thing in a nutshell, right? The trauma that we have blocks who we are, blocks our wisdom, blocks our healing source. And the more we heal our trauma through love and connection, the more we become those beings we're supposed to be. Born in 92, on the block with the shark. Come from a different cloth, y'all would get ripped apart You want a diamond, then you gotta get it in the dark We dropping nuggets like Carmelo to the park. Now we eating from state to state, we scrape the plate I put my eggs in a basket, took a leap of faith I took a chance, now we grow and see the impact Decoding success with special guests, now let's bring Matt
1: welcome to the show everyone this is your host matt labree and you're rocking with us here on the decoding success podcast you just heard from our incredible guest our friend dr frank anderson who is both a psychiatrist and psychotherapist who specializes in the treatment of trauma and dissociation while being super super passionate about teaching brain-based psychotherapy and integrating current neuroscience knowledge with the ifs model of therapy He is an author with an incredible book that's out there, Transcending Trauma. We're actually talking about him putting out another book on top of it all. Incredible stuff going on in this episode, but I want to give you a warning here. This episode may be triggering. You might feel some type of way when you listen to this, and that is because we are keeping it really real. We are keeping it so freaking real on this episode, and I'm really excited to be able to amplify Dr. Frank's message to each and every one of you. So I'm actually going to urge you to amplify it to the people that are in your life, because you want to know what? You might not know that someone so close to you is experiencing something so deep inside them that's troubling them, right? And beyond that, maybe you do know and maybe you are aware of someone that is in your life that may have put themselves back with someone that has abused them because that's how they associate love. This is that deep of a conversation. We are going into what trauma is, and I'm just going to give you a heads up. We've all experienced it. We're going into the associations of love and pain. We're going into how we numb out in the most extreme ways. The list goes on, super deep conversation. So without further ado, we bring to you our friend, Dr. Frank Anderson. Dr. Anderson, welcome to the show. Really excited to have you here. Your work is absolutely incredible, which is one of the reasons I reached out and need to be able to amplify this to our incredible community, our audience here on Decoding Success. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Now we're just going to dive right in. There's a word that gets thrown out there rather often. And personally, I'm going to be a student here. I want some clarity on that. And the word is trauma. I hear that word time and time again. I know I've had traumatic experiences in my life. I've done my own therapy, my own coaching, my own research, so on and so forth. But just to paint the picture for everyone that's listening, what are some common, maybe overlooked traumatic experiences that happen day to day?
0: Well, you know, it's interesting that you say this, Matt, because that word trauma is a tricky word for a lot of people, honestly. I mean, in my book, Transcending Trauma, one of the first paragraphs in it, I say, everybody has a trauma history, including me. So it's kind of the way I kind of start every conversation. And honestly, some people get really weirded out by that issue. Oh, no, not me. I'm not one of those people. I don't have a trauma history. You know what I mean? So there is a certain segment of the population that really gets kind of freaked out by the word trauma and doesn't want to identify as victim, right? Which I totally understand. There's a piece of culture and society that holds that. And the word that I really like to use more so honestly, that I think people resonate with more is, have you had an overwhelming life experience? When I say overwhelming life experience, then everybody says, oh, yeah, okay, so that's how." And then they remember this event, or they remember this time, or oh, I was bullied, or I was shamed, this kind of thing. So for me, there is this trajectory or this range of traumatic experiences, right? And if you go to say the DSM-5, which is like the diagnostic categories, there's criteria over, you know, overwhelming life experience, intrusive images, numbing and avoidance, hyperarousal, like there's all of these symptoms that qualify officially for diagnosis of trauma or PTSD. That's one way to think about it. The other is what was my experience? What was my perception? How did that event affect me personally? And this is where it's very different. You know, you're on the playground and one kid's being bullied because he stinks at basketball and that affects him in a certain kind of way, where another kid who's playing basketball and gets bullied, fights back and says, F you and it doesn't affect them the same way. So there really is the way any experience affects an individual, the perception that they have with it, the meaning they attach to it has a lot to do with whether it becomes traumatic or not. The other issue I'll say is, are you alone in this event, or do you have support and connection? That's another huge thing. Okay. You know, I always make this reference, I think you're in New York, you said I ran over from Boston during September 11th, really wanted to help. I felt like I needed to help. In an event like that, the whole world responds. Oh, my goodness. Everybody's there. Everybody responds. Now, it doesn't mean it's not traumatic. It means the effects are different. Mm. But when you're violated or hurt or overwhelmed or abused and it's in isolation, it's a very different experience. So there's a lot of factors that go into this. Absolutely. Of trauma, right? It's not so simple, but it's good to educate people about the range, you know, and, and what, what affects one person versus what affects another.
1: A hundred percent. Now, yeah. it's interesting, you bring up perception. Is perception such a powerful aspect where it could essentially determine if it's traumatic or not? So, if, I'll give a random example. If someone grows up in a broken household and they realize they're not getting love from their mother, maybe you realize, hey, like my mother's just not healed or hasn't tended to what's bothering her versus someone else who, who kind of plays victim to that, that actually changes the trauma scale. It certainly can. It's a really wow. interesting thing. Yeah. So and, you know, I just
0: wrote an article recently and I'm writing this new book. It's actually a memoir and it's all about resilience Okay, so we're talking about this issue of resilience. It's a very important, like, what is resilience? What is temperament, right? Why does, some, why does one person have a horrible trauma history and then they become an NBR basketball star, right? Why does somebody else go through a trauma history and they become addicted to opioids, or an alcoholic and are homeless? And really, it can go either way. Because you can see some very successful people who have are incredibly resilient and push beyond. Sometimes they fall because they're driven by their demons, right? It's the demons that drive them to success. Other people don't really have whatever that it factor is, that capacity to overcome, and they totally implode and they fall apart. So I'm really looking at this issue of resilience and perception, you know, as to who responds which way to any particular traumatic event there's not a lot of research in this area yet is to you know put two people in a room give them the exact same trauma why does one respond one way and one respond another way there's a lot of factors involved in that certainly did you have anybody who loved you did you ever feel value and worth like connections important as i said but there's also that temperament it factor you know how do you Do what do you do with it? Right, you you know, can you rise above? That's like the American story, right? All these reality TV shows are like, Can I rise above my obstacles? Like, that's what we're talking about here. Who are the people that rise above and who don't?
1: Right, right, Right. absolutely. That's that's going to be very interesting. I was going to ask you what the research is based off of someone that takes and maybe the traumatic experience isn't the same, but someone that takes that and kind of fuels themselves. And pushes for more, maybe, you know, kind of saying, I need to prove myself to someone or F you or whatever the case is, versus someone that goes and, you know, does drugs or numbs out, so on and so forth. Very, very interesting. I'm going to be looking forward to that. But out of total curiosity, when someone experiences trauma, what actually happens in the body, maybe chemically or even physically?
0: Yeah, it's a really important question, man. And it's so relevant this day and age because kind of the whole world is being traumatized by this pandemic. So I've been talking a lot about this in a lot of different venues, you know. I'll just talk globally right now. We're all in what I call adrenal fatigue, okay? Okay. You cannot sustain high levels of stress for long periods of time. Our body physiologically cannot tolerate that. When this pandemic started, everybody's cortisol levels shot up. Holy cow, we stayed in for 10 weeks. Then we thought we'd be able to recover. And our bodies physiologically recover. There's a whole cascade of reactions that happen. You know, my, I could do whole, you know, two or three chapters on the neurobiology of PTSD, right? I, there's, it's very well known in the world, in, at least in the neuroscience world. So there's a whole cascade of reactions that happen, but primarily cortisol shoots up. And then your body does all of this stuff to respond to the trauma. Then there was this dip in the summer. Okay, maybe it's a reprieve. And then another variant came out. We freaked out again. And then there's a reprieve. Oh, the winter's here. Maybe there's a vaccine. Oh, there's another variant. Uh. And people's system over, systems over the last two years have been going up and down, up and down, responding to hope, crisis, hope, crisis. And you just can't sustain that. So people's cortisol levels drop and they really burn out. Your bodies can't physiologically sustain. So that's called adrenal fatigue. If you've noticed, particularly this winter, nobody has energy. Nobody can do anything. They don't care anymore. No Christmas cards, no holiday cards. Like people can't mount a response anymore because they're so fatigued. That's more of a chronic trauma. Scenario, right? Which is very different than an acute event. Like an acute event, you're in a car accident or something acute happens, you're drape, your body freaks out, cortisol levels shoot up, and there is this normal process within a month after an acute trauma that your body processes. Okay. And after an acute trauma, it's normal to have symptoms of PTSD. That's your mind's way of processing the trauma okay? And you want to kind of support somebody who has flashbacks, intrusive images, nightmares, anxiety. You don't want to push those symptoms away in the first month. You want to support their body's natural recovery process, okay? If symptoms last beyond a month, then it becomes chronic PTSD. So we're looking at ways to prevent people from having acute symptoms of trauma PTSD, which are normal, and not turning into chronic trauma, right? So there's a lot of things we do around that. Some of it is medication, some of it's connection and support, some of it's talking about the trauma, not too much, not too little. There's like a sweet spot. Like if you say it over and over again, Matt, then you're encoding the traumatic memory in a way that's harmful. If you don't talk about it at all, you're in isolation, that's not helpful either. So we know therapeutically, there's a sweet spot to talk about it in a safe way, right? The other thing I'll say about trauma is most people, 80% of the population recovers from their first trauma, 100%. Like most people have a trauma, recover from it. It's the cumulative effects of trauma that really become problematic. Your second, third, fourth, that's where trouble comes in. Because our bodies can't keep recovering. And this is where people get into trouble. Like, you know, you may know of Bruce Perry's work. He's working, he's just wrote a book with Oprah Winfrey. There's this famous study called the ACE study, Adverse Childhood Experiences, study in California out of Kaiser Permanente. They looked at children who were living in dysfunctional families. And the more traumatic events these kids had, the worse they did The more medical problems, the more substance abuse, the more mental health issues. So it really sealed the research for us. Okay, one trauma, maybe you recover from it. Two, three, four, five, not so easy. Okay, so this cumulative effect is a big deal. And that's for me, like the book that I wrote is really about what I call complex PTSD or relational trauma. That's where kids grow up in dysfunctional families. Your dad's an alcoholic, your mom's depressed and abusive or neglectful. Those are repeated traumas. And most people suppress it to move on. And then they get all these symptoms. Okay. So I want to tell people, like my big message is don't suppress it. It's going to show up. Yeah. There's a way to be with it. There's a way to heal it. There's a way to embrace that stuff from a loving place instead of pushing it away, no big deal, nothing happens to me. Because that's when it shows up, anxiety, depression, substance abuse, eating disorders, all those symptoms that people struggle with, honestly, are really the manifestation of suppressed and unresolved trauma popping up.
1: Absolutely. Now, out of curiosity, we talked about very briefly, like a natural recovery process, does trauma heal itself naturally? Now I know personally, I've done therapy and things came up and I was like, holy shit, I didn't even know I needed to tend to this, you know? So I'm curious, like, is is it something that can happen naturally or do you actually need to go in and do the work? That's a
0: really, really good question. And honestly, Matt, this is where I'm at in my career. Like I've been doing individual therapy work with people since 1992. Like I've been doing this work for a long time. And one of the things I really feel called to is to bring this message of healing to the larger population. So I'm like grateful that I'm doing podcasts like this, for example. I want people to know that, hey, there might be a way for us to tend to this that doesn't necessarily only require going to therapy. OK, so I'm really in the midst of creating programs, working with people to try to bring this message to the larger world. Like, hey, trauma's real. Most of us have had it. Everybody's gone through adversity. And let's look at it collectively. And let's think about different ways to heal. OK, therapy is one option. Some people with more severe traumas absolutely need the therapy work. OK, so there's some for some people you can't get around it. For other people, if it hasn't been like totally horrible trauma your whole life, there might be ways with the right structure, the right framework, apps, the right support to be able to do some of this healing work. And part of part of my belief, and I'm really in the midst of working this out right now, honestly, this is this is actively where I'm at right now. We all have, in my belief, and this is part of this work this type of therapy that I do called internal family systems. It's a specific type of therapy, which says we all have different parts of ourselves. We have a part that likes to exercise, a part that likes to play with my kids, a part that likes to go to work, part that likes to travel. We all have different aspects of our personality. And under extreme circumstances, those different parts are forced to take on extreme roles to protect us. Right. Okay. The other thing that this model of therapy believes is that we all have this thing in us, which we call Mm self-energy, inherent wisdom, inherent healing capacity. We believe that everybody has it and you're born with it. Everybody has like their wise self, their internal wisdom. Some people call it their soul, their consciousness, but I really believe everybody has within them what they need to heal. So it's helping people access their inner wisdom is important. It was what I'm trying to do, right? Right. Because if you think about it, like when you, there's a way we mostly ignore our inner voice Ah, forget it. We push it away. We push it away. Most people are like, you know, like when I work with people get married and get divorced, they'll say, you know what I knew on my wedding day that this wasn't the right thing to do, but I did it anyways. Like mm. I have an inner wisdom, but we tend to ignore our inner wisdom it happens all the time. And I'm saying, listen to that inner wisdom. It knows what you need Okay. And if we can help people access their inner wisdom, they'll know intuitively what they need to heal. It's just most people ignore that voice. Why do we ignore it? We ignore it for protective reasons, typically. We're not okay. doing it to harm. Okay. And mostly kids learn to ignore it because they need their parents more than they need themselves. Kids okay. are dependent, right? Kids are dependent on parents for survival. So if my parent says, don't be, don't be such a baby, stop crying, I have to listen to my parent. So I'm like, all right, I'm wrong, I'm bad, don't cry. Mm. Kids will choose their parent over themselves for survival. So we learn at a very young age in a dysfunctional family to shut, our, shut ourselves down. a our parent says, hey, what are you feeling? That's really important listen to yourself. I didn't like the way you hit your brother, but I understand your feelings are important. Then a kid learns, oh, my feelings are valuable. My parent is teaching me how to behave appropriately. My feelings are not bad. I'm not wrong for who I am, right? But most of us shut off our voice in the service of connection. You'll see this all the time in people who are in Dysfunctional relationships, you know. Oh my God, I love him so much, even though he's abusive to me. Mm-hmm. Right? I need him more than I need me. I'll ignore myself in the service of keeping the connection. It's so much about attachment. See what I'm saying? Absolutely, and I
1: resonate with that very highly. <laughs> we're,
0: going, we're going to go. Yeah, down I could see, yeah. see that. I could see that.
1: We're going to go down that path. I'm going to ask you, Doctor Frank, a rather Maybe not so much a practical question. I've asked it one time on this show where it came up. And the reason I'm going to ask you is because, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, you said everybody has an inherent ability to heal, so on and so forth, right? So I'm going to ask you this question again, maybe not practical, maybe more on the spiritual realm, but do you believe that everyone is meant to heal?
0: You do. I love that you're going spiritual because look, that is a very comfortable, familiar place for me. I was, I was, I still am Harvard trained psychiatrist, all intellectual, intellectual. Okay. But what I've learned honestly, in this journey of healing my own trauma, okay. And working with trauma survivors, my whole career is there's a huge spiritual component to this. Mm -hmm. Okay. And now this is only my personal belief. So I don't need to Make anyone believe this, but I have grown from a a more exclusively intellectual view of trauma to a much more spiritual view of trauma. Okay. And what I'll say from my own personal belief is that we are all, we all come into this world, our souls, that's that self energy I talk about. I think we all have source energy in us, God, whatever you call it, spirit. We all come in and we inhabit that source energy. And I think we're here to learn things. I think that's how our soul grows, is we learn different things through our life experience. So I kind of think we're all here to have overwhelming life experiences. I think that's part of why we're here. So I do think everybody's here to kind of be traumatized in some way. Now, you could either suppress it, you could repeat it. People over and over and over and over again keep repeating the same problem or you grow from it, Mm. right? So that's what I think everybody's journey is. We come here to learn things. We either take advantage and grow as a soul, as a spirit, or we repeat. And I think that's where choice comes in. I think we have the option to take advantage of these situations and learn and grow from them or not. I think that's where free will comes in. But I personally, I don't know a person, Matt, who has a perfect life every single person i know has been through some form of adversity i mean think about it who ha- who do you know everybody thinks the grass is greener right but everybody when you really listen or they're willing to talk has had various forms of pain in their life and i think that's part of what we're here for personally and that's that's really my mission and you know i think this is one of my favorite quotes for my book transcending trauma is trauma blocks love and connection love and connection heals trauma. Okay. I think that's the whole thing in a nutshell, right? The trauma that we have blocks who we are, blocks our wisdom, blocks our healing source. And the more we heal our trauma through love and connection, the more we become those beings we're supposed to be.
1: So this is going to get interesting, Dr. Frank. I hope you're ready for this. I wrote down that quote. Yeah, I wrote down that quote. I heard you say that on my buddy Ed's show at Ed Mylet. Yes. And I, I said, you know what? When I speak to Dr. Frank, I want to go down this path. Trauma blocks love. Love heals trauma. But what if you're scared of love? And what if you push love away from you and you find yourself going back to what you just said? We like to repeat. We like to, you know, I mean, maybe it's comfortable, comfortable for people to experience right. trauma. Right. So what if you're scared of love?
0: It's very common. Okay, it's very common
1: for parts of
0: people to be afraid of love. Mm. That is not an uncommon thing. I used to in the beginning of my career, man. it's like, Oh, my God, I helped somebody heal. This is amazing. They're going to come back and say, Frank, you're the most amazing person in the world. Thank you. You saved my life. And you know what they say instead? Mm. Worst week of my life. This was fucking horrible. They freak mm. out like good is dangerous. Good is scary. Love Is dangerous, okay? I always respect that in people and I know there's a reason for it, okay? Because you typically love gets attached to abuse. Mm. When somebody, your mother, your father, your brother, or your sister loves you and abuses you, Mm. you have parts who attach love with trauma. So love becomes terrifying. And so you do anything in your power to sabotage relationships anytime closeness shows up. You understand that? So there's always a reason for that, right? So we want to help people go like, oh, I totally get there's a part of me that's terrified of love. That makes so much sense. Tell me more about why you're terrified. Because every time I felt that warm and fuzzy feeling, I got abused. I got beat up. I got shamed. I got raped. Mm. So- that's the healing is to disconnect love from trauma. They get linked, and they get linked a lot, especially in family dysfunction. Right. Kids need love for survival. Parents abuse them, then they attach love and abuse. This is why people
1: seek out abusive relationships. Clearly, yeah. I, I mean, I've I've seen it firsthand. And you got it. You know, having conversations like this, it's just like holy crap. Like yeah. it all connects. It all connects. And-
0: and I want people to, to not hate themselves for repeating mm. as much as be like, have the awareness, like, oh, there's a reason for this. Then you start loving yourself and understanding why some parts of you might be seeking out self destructive or abusive behavior. Right. Or some parts of you shut off love every time it shows up. Mm. What we say, Matt, is every part of you has a positive intention. Cutting, suicide, drinking, binging, doesn't matter. Gambling, I don't care. I'm always looking for the positive
1: intention. What would be the positive intentions?
0: I can give you, you know, cutting. Cutting is a perfect example. Cutting is a great way to get away from emotional pain and focus on physical pain. Cutting is a great distractor. I myself. People think, oh, my God, don't do that. That's horrible. Such a bad thing to do. But when there's so much emotional turmoil inside and people don't know what to do with it, mm. it's, a, it's a great shift. Oh, I, now I cut myself. I'm bleeding. I got pain receptors here. It hurts. I got to focus on the cut in the blood. I'm no longer feeling emotional distress
1: anymore. Interesting.
0: Okay. So you appreciate the positive intention of the part that cuts because it's cutting to get away from something else that feels more distressing.
1: Sure. Sui-
0: suicide, same thing. Suicide is the ultimate protection. Mm. The, our whole culture and society, stop suicide, stop suicide. Excuse me, I'm like, that's bullshit. Not the way to be approaching this. People freak out about suicide. It's like, why is this part of you there? What's the purpose of it? Right. And it's a part of you, it's not all of you, okay? And usually when you get people curious about listening to their parts, that suicidal part, 99 times out of 100 says, if the pain gets bad enough, I have a way out. Right. And then you say, oh, so you have the exit plan. And this part says, I have the ultimate exit plan. I will never let it get too bad for John or Sue. Right. And you say, thank you so much for being there. To help them get out of intolerable pain, you appreciate the intention. And then you know what happens? The suicidal part relaxes because mm. it feels heard and seen and understood. It doesn't get
1: worse. It relaxes. Do you get what I'm saying there? I do. And you, you piqued my interest on something, you know, you referred to, so you use the example of being suicidal and kind of viewing yourself in a part, you know, you have a part of you that is suicidal. That's right. So I'm curious, what's your advice for someone that's listening to maybe not view themselves as a whole in that sense, right? Because I mean, for, I'll be the guinea pig here. I mean, I've yes. definitely numbed out by drinking a bottle of wine before. Totally, right. You know, like right. I, I openly admit that. So like, yes. what's your advice to, to me to, you know, mm. view view myself, maybe not as a whole and understand yes. like, hey, not all of you wanted to do that, but a part That's of it. Right.
0: That's exactly right. That is a game changer for me in this work that I do okay. is to see us all as parts We are all, we have all aspects of our personality. Okay, Mm. nobody's whole. I don't even think that's the goal. We have different aspects of us. And yes, there was a part of you that drank that bottle of wine to numb itself out for a really good reason. You want to get to know that part Mm. and get curious about who it's protecting under there because there was somebody under there that the part of you who drank was trying to protect. It's always trying to help. And that's the way we look at it. Any negative symptom, I look as a t- trying to protect. Like, like even for this, like, you know, when we are attacking somebody, you fucking asshole. Okay. It seems like that's such a negative thing. It's destructive. It destroys relationships, all this kind of stuff. But when you ask the part who just said that, why is it doing it? It protects a little boy in me who felt hurt by you. Mm. So it comes to my rescue, comes to my little boy's rescue, okay? Even though I'm always looking at the effect versus the intent Apart hard hands. The effect is drinking causes trouble, screaming at people causes trouble, you know, hitting your kids causes trouble. The intent is to keep your pain away.
1: Mm.
0: So I'm always first looking at the intent that's where you have an opening to start healing. This is for me, the big piece, man, around healing. If we don't know the intention of these different parts of us, we don't open the door to heal anything. We're just fighting ourselves. Stop doing this. Stop working so hard. Stop overexercising. Stop drinking. Like the opioid epidemic is going about it all the wrong way, in my view. Don't just stop drugs. Find out, The parts that are using, who are they protecting? Mm. And let's heal that. So that's why I'm so big on healing. Let's get underneath the symptoms and look at like everybody that's using heroin is hurting. Yeah. And we're not offering a solution, we're trying to stop the only way this part knows how to help.
1: You get that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm I'm glad this conversation went down this route. Yeah. Out of total curiosity, I know that you're hopping on podcasts now. You're writing more books, so on and so forth. What's a question you wish more people would be asking you? That's a great
0: question. I wish people would be asking me, can I heal? How do I heal? Like that really is the beast, the piece for me. I wish people would be asking, how do I heal? How can I get there? Because that is kind of my life's mission right now. Like, honestly, I say this, you may be, I don't know if you're old enough for this or not. I'm old. I'm not, you remember this commercial? I'm not only the hair club president, I'm a member. I don't know if you're young enough. There's probably all this. Yeah, okay, so once upon a time, <laughs> and probably most of your group won't. There was this commercial, and a goofy guy. It's like I'm not only the hair club president. Like owns owns this hair club restoration thing. Okay. I'm a member. I'm also bald. Like it's like that. I don't only play a doctor on TV. I am a doctor, right? So I always have that belief. And like, look, I'm not only a trauma expert. I have a trauma history. That's my point here. Okay. And I tell everybody that in every podcast I do. And I want people to know, have done a lot of healing. Healing's possible. My life is really good because of the healing I've done. And I want everybody, to, is it possible for me to heal my trauma? Mm-hmm. Is there a way for me to heal this? That's the question. That's my message is healing is possible. I'm going to offer as much as I can. I, I, I have a couple friends right now. We're talking about the trauma Avengers. Okay. Okay. I want to, we're creating a collection of people who want to help people heal from trauma. I love that. Okay? And there's a, you know, like, so you might not, people may not resonate with the hair club president <laughs> reference, but everybody can resonate with the trauma Avengers. I want to create a collective of trauma Avengers, people that can, that know how to do this, that can help people heal from trauma, because I want people to know healing is possible. Let's not just fight our symptoms. Let's mm. heal our trauma.
1: So, Dr. Frank, you actually shifted my perspective on healing through this conversation. I want you to know that. I've great. I I started therapy to give you a little backstory. I went to therapy when I was a kid because my parents, I was in like fifth grade. My parents got divorced, and you know, the 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 court was like, hey, you know, this little fifth grade boy needs to go to therapy. I hated it and I didn't take it serious. But June of 2020. I found myself in an abusive relationship. I was allowing myself to get abused mentally, emotionally, not physically. You know, I'm six foot five. She's nowhere near the size of me, but I'm sure that happens. Uh, And I put myself in therapy and I, I kind of viewed healing as a whole approach. But having this conversation with you, I view it now more as a targeted approach. That's exactly right. And
0: like a lot of general therapists don't know about healing trauma. Mm-hmm. there is a what i call the arc of healing there's a certain thing and i'm teaching this now as i move into the general public there's a certain arc to healing trauma and it is possible and you know like there's different ways to do it i want people to know that it's not one size fits all it's not one therapy fits all i don't even believe right. that i'm doing some work out in la right now with a whole dance movement exercise company and i'm bringing trauma healing to dance and exercise. And we're restructuring this whole exercise regime so that people can, through their body, through movement, do some healing. Because body, it's, a lot of times trauma is held in the body. So I'm super mm-hmm. excited to do that work, right? Is that we're, we're incorporating healing through movement and dance and exercise and fitness one way right? Some people know EMDR, it's a kind of therapy, eye movement desensitization reprocessing, another way to heal trauma. You know, there's EIFS, the one I'm talking about, like, there's different things to do. For me, not one size fits all, and everybody's different. First, you have to know the origins, like, why are these symptoms here? Mm -hmm. What are the roots of my trauma? And then what do I need to do to shift it or release it? Right? Right? You got to go know what's the problem, know the root, and then know, listen to your internal wisdom about what you need to release it. Trauma is held and it can be released. That is my like big, big message, right? Right. And the healing. And there are different ways to do it. And I want people to be open to exploring those options because one size doesn't fit all. Different people need different things.
1: Absolutely. I know I got you for a couple more minutes here. I want to yeah. make sure that we're throwing the book in there, uh, Transcending Trauma. I'm going to make sure that you know people can get it in the show notes of this episode, but I want to ask you a question about it. If someone that picks up this book can only take one thing away from it, what would you want that one thing to be? <laughs>
0: trauma blocks. Love, love, heals trauma. Yeah, that's really, that's what I want people. I, I guess, yeah, that, he, that healing is possible and that you have within you the resources you need to heal, it's not accessed because trauma blocks it. Mm-hmm. You have the inner wisdom. If you learn to listen again, you know what you need. It's the way, you know, it's, 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 this happens with eating. I talk about what you know, this word intuitive eating. I've never heard You're of bo- this. Your body knows what it needs right now. Like I've got this asthma thing going on right now. I was coughing a lot earlier in that. I'm craving bone broth, bone broth and fruit juices, like, like mm-hmm. vegetable juices. I don't really eat bone broth and vegetable juices, but my body is telling me right now because I'm listening, you need this stuff. So that's what I'm eating, right? So people don't listen mm-hmm. to their internal voice. Trauma is the same thing. Like, listen to that inner voice. Listen to what it's saying. Don't ignore it because there is wisdom in there Mm. and learn to listen to it instead of push it away and ignore
1: it. Now, what if someone's inner voice isn't, maybe they're not not listening to it. What if they just can't hear it because they're just so consumed with day-to-day life? Typically, that does happen. Parts of us take over. I got to work. I got
0: to raise money. I got to that's, yeah. not the, that's not the inner wisdom voice I'm talking about. The suicidal voice is not the inner wisdom voice I'm talking about. Okay? Right. We have parts and that we have our inner wisdom. So it's important to differentiate. I'm glad you're bringing this up. Listen to my inner voice. My inner voice says, kill myself. No, mm-hmm. that's not it. The inner wisdom is a calm, curious, courageous, compassionate, loving space within. Okay. And that gets blocked because of trauma in life. Right. So what I'm telling people to listen to is not all the voices that are saying, you suck, you're no good, kill yourself. Those are parts. I'm saying, listen to that wise self, the part that says the, the state of being that's like, I am good. Love is valuable. I'm valuable and worthy, and I deserve love and connection. Mm-hmm. So that space, it feels different. When I say that, my body relaxes, I, my open, I go, oh, I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. I have a good heart. My soul is good. That's a place within me that I'm saying that's what we listen to, not the noise and the chatter. And it feels differently, like you can even energetically feel like, <sighs> I know, I'm good. Yeah, I know, I love and I know I deserve love. Like it's that space to listen to. Absolutely. I'm I love glad that we're differentiating, right? You could feel that it's a calm power right within, Right? Everybody has that. And it's about learning how to access it. Mm. I Access it when I exercise, when I'm out in nature, right? Some people ac- access that when they meditate or when they journal. There's different ways to access that calm power within. Absolutely, Everybody has that different ways to get there because there's a lot of noise and chatter. I'm not saying listen to the noise and chatter. Listen to the calm power within and learn how to get there.
1: Right. Right. I love that. Now, Dr. Frank, I'm going to ask you one last question. I I know I need to let you go. I know you're going to be hopping on plenty of more podcasts, stages, writing books, so on and so forth. If you could only be remembered for one piece of advice, what would that be?
0: Hmm. The only thing that
1: matters is love and connection. The only thing that matters is love and connection. You say that.
0: It really brings me. That is... My purpose, if I can bring more love and compassion to the world, I've done my job.
1: You're doing it. You're already doing your job. I mean, you did it right here. So I'm going to express my gratitude and say thank you for the opportunity to amplify your message. As mentioned, I'm going to make sure Transcending Trauma, the link to grab the book is in the show notes amongst other things such as socials and websites. But you're working on a new book. Tell me, what, what's the plan? When is this coming out? I am out? so excited about this. And also my website, just so
0: people know, you can put the website frankandersonmd.com yep. so that people have that. There's a lot of resources on my website, but I'll tell you this new book. I, I'm glad you mentioned it. Yeah, I'm, I I was a little bit blown away when my publisher asked me to write this. I'm writing a memoir. And I was like, why the hell should I be writing a memoir? Like I'm not 80 years old. I haven't won the Nobel Peace Prize. Like what the hell do you want me to write a memoir for? But I get it now because I'm really going to tell my s- trauma story. I'm going to tell my trauma story fully and personally, because I want people to know trauma happens and trauma can be healed. Right. So, I'm super excited about this memoir. I mean, I'm in the thick of it right now. It's very deeply personal and I'm putting it all out there for the purpose for people to relate. Everybody gets traumatized and everybody can heal. So, that's my next project.
1: I love it. Dr. Frank, thank you again for this opportunity. Really excited to be able to amplify it. Thank you so much for having me and I really do appreciate you're you're
0: part of the Trauma Avengers in my (laughs) book, Matt, by by getting this message out, right? It takes a lot of people. So thank you for being a part of that that web web of healing. That's what I think about it. Absolutely.
1: You've been listening to the Decoding Success Podcast, the top 1% globally ranked show to help individuals fill every bucket of their life, from relationships to health on all spectrums, business, career, and beyond. That would not be possible, though, without our incredible guests that join us. So shout out to Dr. Frank for blessing us with his wisdom, knowledge, and so much more. But even more so, it would be nothing without our incredible community members. So shout out to you for tuning in. Yes, you, the individual that is listening to this voice, come through their ears in some capacity right here, right now. And I'm going to put it this way. We would never, ever charge you our amazing community. We would never charge you a penny to listen to this show. But today we are sending you a voice invoice, a voice invoice. That is a new thing. We are going to ask you to pay your due by sharing this episode with the people that are in your life. Again, you don't know if someone is going through something that you now have the ability to share them and kind of just show them like, hey, like I'm here for you without knowing they're going through it. You can be that beacon of light to them. And even beyond that, right? If you do know someone that is going through something, if you do know someone that continuously repeats patterns and habits of going back to traumatic experiences and traumatic people that have harmed them in such negative ways, if you do have those people in your life, share this episode with them too. It could be equally beneficial and you have the power in your hands right now. So until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.